0: Should we um, should we get going, JB?
1: I think we probably should, shouldn't we? Uh, there's a little bit of cutout here and there uh, on mm. the signal. Uh, mine- is Has
0: that, is that been since I've come back?
1: Yeah, just a, just a little bit of f- 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 occasionally.
0: Okay, I'm gonna have to sort out this internet in the office. is not good at all, is it? I'm on I'm actually on four G at the minute, so. Um, So yeah, I'm actually hopeful. It's most
1: unusual. It's normally my end that's a bit peculiar, but I have checked my end this morning and it's looking great.
0: (laughs) No, I suspect it is indeed our end. Um, uh, In the meantime, um, let's get going. And as you say, JB, fingers crossed, everything uh, goes not too bad and according to plan-ish. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good overnight. Um, I'm Ant.
1: And I'm JB. Oh, had you worried there? You thought I'd gone funny. Uh, no, my internet is actually quite good this morning. Yours is most peculiar, and that's unusual because yours is normally the good one, and mine's the normally the little dodgy one. But anyway, good morning, and um, it's lovely to see you again.
0: Lovely I'm, to see you too, JB. I,
1: I miss you um, when I don't see you, and I was seeing you yesterday evening, and um, here we are again, um, seeing each other. It's it's like it's like a happy family.
0: I think we've been together four days this week, if I'm not mistaken. We had um, our CEDL work on Monday. We then had some client-specific work yesterday. And I think we had more CEDL work on Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken. Um, But that's how we roll. In fact, me and JB just last night spent several hours um, with one of the CEDL team booking in our events for the next three months. And I have to say, um, I don't think there'll be a week go by where we're not together, which is lovely. Our wives must be delighted.
1: Well, I think I spend more time with you than I do with my wife. Uh, maybe that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, yeah it maybe. is like the good old days
1: uh, when we used to travel around the world, and we go off yeah. hand in hand onto onto aeroplanes and fly off all over the place, waving goodbye to our loved ones and uh, not to return for at least a week. I think it was a win-win for everybody
0: it was in fact um, if uh, any new listeners are listening to this episode and I know some of you are in the live audience some of you are listening to the recordings via the podcast platform if you skip back to episode one I think very first episode was recorded in a hotel room in Singapore and then for about four months the first four months of our podcast every week we were somewhere in the world which people I probably thought just thought we were making it up but we're quite happy to not travel anymore (laughs) we could have
1: done actually we could have done couldn't we saved a fortune uh, yeah, just pretending to be in Singapore and yeah, um, yeah. Play some background
0: are. music to sound oriental and things, and we're we're away, you know, theater of the mind and all that. Um, anyway, uh, any any bongo news, Mister Bradley?
1: Uh, what can I tell you uh, about the bongo? The bongo is safely home. Uh, it I did have a little bit of a problem with the bongo. It it's got a, a for those of you who don't know about bongos, uh, they are the poor man's uh, Volkswagen T five. Uh, so the, the the gold package, if you want to get a really, really fantastic camper van, uh, I think the Volkswagen T5 is the one. But I'm I think I'm probably early silver if if uh, if the T5 is gold. Uh, it, it It's imported from Japan. Um, mine was built in Hiroshima uh, and. It was converted in. The, I'm going into too much detail, aren't I? But anyway, it's a lovely, it's a lovely thing, and the conversion spectacular. Um, the wonderful thing about bongos sounds like a song um, is that it's got a, an electric roof that pops up, um, and apparently you're supposed to do this wave if you see a fellow bongo driver. You you lift your hand up, um, almost like a sort of Nazi salute. Um, so you've got to be a bit careful with it. Um, and then they do it back. It's most peculiar. Anyway, my roof got stuck, um, erect, and I, I couldn't uh, de-erect it. Um, and so half an hour of fiddling around and I found the button. I found the button and I pushed it uh, and th- I was able to get it back down
0: again. Wow. Uh, it was all thought,
1: quite it was all quite dramatic
0: yeah very mechanical um I know. well there you go uh, we, the good news is i'm delighted to say me and jb are coasting towards a couple of weeks break um jb is off um i think middle of august i'm off the week after him in the middle of august so i think there is a two-week um break from these podcasts which is i'm sure disappointing for the listeners but um, we'll I'm come relieved. back I, I
1: relieved i think he'll thank god for that
0: downloads are up 10 percent month on month so that's probably because you know we had only one listener last month so we've got 1.1 this month so thanks very, very much for that um anyway um as ever ladies and gents um in every episode we like to discuss leadership news themes of the week and also your listener questions we actually have three i think pretty pretty solid listener questions to cover today but first if i may jb um i think it's only right that we give some olympic theming to our podcast, because this is the first podcast we've ever recorded whilst an Olympic Games is happening. Our podcast has been going two years now, just under. Um, And I think it's only right that we give some thinking about Olympians and leadership. And for those of you listening to the podcast, sometimes you think these links are tenuous. I promise they're not. But in my mind, I think that there is something to be said about Olympians and what leaders can learn from Olympians in how they lead their teams would you like me to kind of give you my reasoning for this topic jb i'd love it so one of the things i've insisted my 10 year old does is sit and watch the interviews that occur after the olympian has won or lost for their country if that makes sense and one of the things that I find incredibly inspiring and almost emotional sometimes actually is how gracious the majority of these Olympians are when they are interviewed win or lose. They're grateful to their team. They're, you know, they are, um, completely authentic. Um, often, um, there is very, very minimal arrogance about their competence. I think it's very much about, you know, I'm so grateful to this opportunity. Uh, and I think, um, It shows other sports what sportsmanship is like. And uh, I don't think we need to look far to understand what I mean by that if we look at the Euros um, that ended and how the fans behaved uh, in England. um, And I'm talking about a pocket of fans, unfortunately, but that wasn't sportsmanship. I'm no fan either of uh, Mr. Lewis Hamilton uh, due to his huge arrogance um, in his competence And I just don't think it's a great leadership quality to have arrogance. And it made me realize that actually there are things that I look at in Olympians that I actually try and adopt as a people manager for my team. And I wondered whether there is merit in thinking about that um, type of thinking for a leader and what they need to do differently to be more Olympian-esque in their approach to work.
1: I like that because it's about uh it 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 hits on a theme that i think is quite interesting which is about uh you know people people reaching their optimal challenge finding their optimal challenge not too much and not too little and i i the, the more i think about this stuff the more i realize that really good uh ceos and leaders uh, they, they have a, a motivation uh, towards their well-communicated distant shore, whatever that is. But on the journey towards that distant shore, uh, they are careful not to oversteer, um, understeer, uh, to make things too easy or to make things through too difficult. I think that's a real art. Uh, being able to do that. I think you've frozen and so I'm just going to carry on uh, talking whilst I hope your signal comes back. There it is. Um, You're back in the game. I think so. Yeah well you're talking that's a good thing. I was just going to start talking about the Olympic Games and its origins. Did you know um, that it was more of a sort of religious um, festival? Um, back in ancient Greece, uh, where the Olympic Games started. And if I'm right in thinking, uh, the uh, sportsmen, I think they were men. I'm not sure that there are any women. Sorry, guys. Sorry, girls. Sorry, everybody. Um, but uh, the funny thing is that I think they ran around naked uh, on their And it, it was for sort of chariots, chariot games and running and athleticism. Um, so the male form was, um, celebrated as it, it ran round, um, this place in, in Greece, wherever it was, someone would be able to tell us. Um, but I'm not suggesting that CEOs should run around naked, uh, to sort of inspire everyone to follow. (laughs) Although the (laughs) The CEO
0: BBC Olympics motto is be inspired. I'm not sure the CEO could do the same, could they, with that approach?
1: I think most of the CEOs we work with, if they were running around naked, um, would not be inspiring for others to follow. I think that would probably end up with a lawsuit. Um, Sorry, that was me padding, whilst the the signal went a bit funny at your end. Uh, So that's what I was gonna talk about, people running around naked. How inspiring is that, gang? Uh, Anyway, uh, back to the main point. The main point being, Uh, this idea of the Olympic, uh, the Olympic CEO, what is the makeup of the successful uh, Olympic CEO? Now I'm saying that um, the Olympic CEO, the Olympic CEO has a team and they're fielding the team at Mm. the Olympics. Um, So what is it uh, that makes that CEO more successful than others getting all of those sports uh to get i hate this word but it meddled um at the olympic games i think it's that if we frame it around that i think we could start getting some traction and 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 play with the simile i
0: i I like that 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 thinking my frustration um I think you're right. This leads into very much the team sports. So, if I look at yesterday, Team GB um, got gold in their uh, 200 meter relay. Um, And that was, you know, a hugely emotional experience for the team. But their interview said their dynamic was absolutely they trust in each other, they believe in each other, they support each other um and one of them was the lead of that team but they spoke last because they wanted everybody else to get the airtime because their thinking is as important as their own and therefore everyone should have equal opportunity to speak about their their feelings and emotions um and i think i like your idea here so and i and I, i think this often links into you and i using metaphors around sport in leadership so you and i talk about communication styles with people and often Um, some leaders have a default position of instructing. Well, the truth is, if you instruct someone to ride a bike, when they can ride their bike better than you around the velodrome, then why on earth would they want to learn inspiration? Because they ain't going to get it. All you're going to tell them is how to ride your bike, which you've been telling them how to do that for three or four years. The best leaders are the ones that can really facilitate the thinking of the individual. So I think maybe, as you say, maybe there is a nuance to my thinking, which is, Um, You know, the 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 effort that the Olympian that gets on that podium is only one component of an engine of people that sit behind the scenes, nutritionists, um, timing people, fitness experts, um, physios, all these people make up that product that is on the podium. And whilst we are an individual. We rep we represent a group of people and, and, and it's interesting where there is a slight in my mind disconnect though, of course is the olympian often isn't the leader they are the product of probably a leader and a group of individuals but they are ultimately the engine of that product i'm playing around with metaphors here sorry jb
1: well, no, I love a metaphor and I, I, love, I love mixing up metaphors. I think it's, I, people get funny about mixing metaphors. I think mixing metaphors is, is wonderful. I think you can really um, bake a fantastic cake and also, um, you know, go around the track so much faster when you get the cake mix right. There we are. There's a mixed metaphor. And look how that worked. Hopefully successfully. Um, But you're right. So the CEO recognizes that he or she has got these um, Olympians uh, and they've got to do a damn good job and they're going to be going out there competing uh, for orders, um, you know, keeping uh, everyone sweet in terms of regulators um, and, um, you know, other stakeholders. You know, these these let's call let's say that we're fielding 20 fantastic athletes. Um, In the Tokyo Olympics, the CEO has selected uh, these 20 20 athletes to do extraordinary things. Um, And I really I like the point that behind each of these uh, athletes are fantastic teams uh, that enable that person to do their job effectively. Um, And I've always quite liked this um, concept of Team Ant or Team JB. Mm-hmm. um and you know behind us um we've got people uh whether we like it or not sometimes uh who are part of our team mm. you know they're behind us and they they make sure that we've got sufficient that we have enough water every day that's my wife that's what she does <laughs> she just she gets so worried when I don't drink enough water uh, because obviously I'm an athlete in my peak condition now uh, look at that um but you're probably more sensible than me No,
0: no, not at all. (laughs)
1: Um, And, um, you know, so we, the wisdom there, I think, is to select uh, the top 20, no, the best Olympians available within the organisation. I think things start getting tricky when you go outside the organisation to go and pull in uh, an Olympian into the team that can that can disrupt the waters attack, don't you think
0: that's interesting you say that because i guess if you're to use football they go and just offer a crazy amount of money and bring in the best talent whereas of course in olympics you are limited in your talent pool to your domestic location um and therefore and i think that's helpful because of course it allows you to nurture internal talent and I think that's something that's overlooked in businesses. You can't, you know, in some businesses, they just buy in the talent, they offer a big paycheck and they attract the right talent to take the business forward. Um, but a lot of smaller businesses don't have big checkbooks and can't afford that type of luxury. Um, so that's, that's really interesting.
1: Google did some brilliant research on that. And um, they found that it's better to, in, in assembling a really good, powerful team, Uh, it's better to uh, recruit people, A, from within, um, but B, who work effectively within the team in terms of their um, communication, their collaboration, being very much part of their skill requirement uh, to do those things, um, but more so to work with others and to develop others and to, to... um create this fabulous team um that that achieves whatever objective is set so um again you know we've got these um hopefully you know these 20 uh people who are going to go and collect medals but there's no jealousy about that from other members of the team ideally you know in our ideal olympic um, squad uh they they have a job to do to get this person a medal. Mm. That is that is the, the the single-minded focus uh in in this fictitious organization that we have but when when you have um that trust breaking down in that organization maybe because um someone's come in and disrupted the waters and people are feeling you know they don't fit into this team um this isn't this isn't working for us anymore they're not collaborating they're not community then then things can go a little bit culturally awry things can go a bit wrong uh when those sorts of things start happening or uh we succumb to the temptation um of enhancing our performance through some little Extra stimulants. I, I I'd throw that in there because that's a real thing, isn't it?
0: It is. I, I, as you're talking, I kind of had a bit of a light bulb moment about because we were talking yesterday with a client, weren't we, about behaviours? And I have to wonder if I was to think about an Olympian, or indeed a team that sits behind with the Olympian, that all of them would feature very heavily on a high will, high skill area. And this is the product of focus, engagement, um, competence all together. You know, we brought the best talent available. We've nurtured and trained those people. We've sucked them all at different points of their career from different points of their engagement levels and competencies to this perfect place where we all are. Uh, But we recognize that we are all important. and We all have our own value. We all feel known. We all feel focused. We all feel valued. But we all are high will, high skill. And it, it's it's interesting, isn't it? And um, yeah. Anyway, I, I thought this was just a, a nice little uh, anecdotal topic. to so keep it in. <laughs> oh, theme. but no.
1: This is our podcast. That never happens, does it? No, absolutely not. Um, but you can imagine the enormous pressure uh, on the athlete and also the team behind them uh, to get to get the result. Uh, to, to get that medal. And often these people are really young, aren't they? They're young people with an enormous amount of uh, pressure on their shoulders. I was watching a f- uh, one of my favourite programmes last night, Atypical. Have you ever watched that, Ant? Oh,
0: I thought you were going to say EastEnders.
1: No, it's Atypical. And um, it's about this um, brilliant uh, autistic um, guy uh, within a family and his sister, uh, Casey... Uh, is being kind of, I don't know whether headhunted is the right word, um, but universities in America go off to colleges to find uh, talent, sporting talent, because they want them in their in their uni. Anyway, so she's being uh, pushed by her parents, uh, pushed by her uh, partner, pushed by the school, everybody, uh, to outperform everyone, When they have this um, inter-school competition, where this headhunter is apparently going to turn up, and the pressure on her—you know, when they in a running race, um, they sort of bounce around a little bit Mm. um, and suck in their cheeks and wiggle themselves around and and stretch their legs. I've never done any any of those things really, so Mm. debatable. um, Yeah. um, Well, I do a bit of yoga. But anyway, so then they go down uh, into position uh, with one leg behind. um, And there's lots of lots of breathing and and sort of getting ready. Anyway, um, the music got really, really heavy at this point. um, And there were about 10 runners in this inter school competition with the pressure growing. The parents were there. Um, all their mates and girlfriends and boyfriends and everything all in the audience and this kind of headhunter person who was renowned you know it was this sort of mythical crazy um, fantastic sports picker and there was little Casey just getting ready to go um, primed and then three two one and she froze. She absolutely froze. She was the one destined to win this and attract the attention of this headhunter person, sports guru, mm. but she froze. And she, she she just didn't take off. She just froze with panic. and And the weight of all of this pressure was too much. And she didn't do the race. And it was a really, it was quite emotional actually and uh, do you know I felt really good for her because she decided in that moment, I'm not going to do what everyone else is expecting me to do. I don't want to do this. I'm I'm saying no. So w- when you, when we as the public watch all of these fabulous Olympians doing their thing, why, why do they run? You know, why do they actually at that moment when the poof, gun goes, why don't they freeze? Why don't they just go? It's too much. It's enough. And there are lots of events recently, actually, in the sporting world where I think people have just said, no, I, I'm, I've had enough. I'm, I'm, I'm too stressed. Um, my body's not right today. Um, I know I'd be like that. You know, I just think, oh, my God, this is too much, too much pressure. Or do you need that grit? Is that the grit that creates, you know, the, the, the super CEO and the super leader? Or is, are, are our expectations really a little bit too much?
0: There was a, an Olympian, an American Olympian, wasn't it? a gymnast um, earlier this week who had stepped away from the, and retired from the competition. And she then came out to support her friends. Um, because she said that her mental health was was too much at risk. And I think she was realizing exactly what you've just said there, that that this was too much for her. Um, and she has been celebrated for for that. But as you say, it's it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because on one side, there could be Olympians that that felt they could have had the mental resilience to go through that stress. And ultimately, if the Olympics is all about finding the best and celebrating the best, um, if you are um, unable to fulfill those obligations. But on the flip side, I think it's a great statement to say, you know, mental health does come first. So it's it's really, it's really complicated topic, isn't it? But the, the, the I, I guess, again, in, in leadership, we, as you say, how important is vulnerability to your people in that instance? And, you know, speaking quite personally for a moment, um, I can't you know, that there, there is something to be said, and correct me if I'm wrong, that any sign of weakness would cause more harm than good in my people. In other words, if I said, actually, do you know what, guys, I, I'm done, I, I can't do this, the risk or pressure and stress that puts on all of my people that are looking to me to make sure that the business is safe, would be mortified if I said that, and it would be irresponsible. And I suspect there would be less sympathy in the mind of a public if there was a news article about a company's director who said, "I just can't do this anymore. I need to. I need to shut down the business because of my mental health," and it makes thirty people redundant.
1: That's quite. Process. It's quite an extreme um, position uh, to just suddenly go, "I'm. I'm out." But hey, you know that that does happen. There was I, a.
0: There was... I mean, I mean, in the eyes of the audience, as in the, the yeah. entire reports, you know, there could have been a, a, a big build-up to this point where right. You know, and then it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. Um, but I suspect I would never be hireable again in that instance because I could never lead a business again, because the owners of that organisation that might appoint me to run that business for them would be too nervous that well they they couldn't you know I think this is the problem I think that there's a fine line between mental health being seen as a as a as an empowering strength or a weakness, and. Um, Whilst Olympians have been celebrated for it, as a leader, the more further up the food chain you go, um, the less you can show any form of weakness because it's too debilitating or risky for the organization and its people.
1: This is, this is touching on all sorts of things. I mean, in, in, again, in recent history, there have been a number of CEOs um, who have gone off with stress um, and you know it's gone public uh, that they've done so in fact i I think uh, there was a French guy whose name escapes me now but he um I think he actually went public and said I you know I just need to take some time out for my mental health and and' I, if I'm right in thinking he's back on board now um and i I think the pressures on um CEOs and Senior leadership teams are immense if they are expected to deliver extraordinary growth uh, in their organizations in a short space of time. And no wonder uh, a lot of them end up uh, in these uh, stressed out um, positions. And isn't it better if they're able to say, "I I need to take time out and I've got a good team around me, um, and I'm going to ask them to step up in the time uh, that I'm hopefully going to, to resolve a few things. And I'll 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 be back. I for me, that's a much more sustainable, grown-up world that I want to belong to than actually noticing a whole load of burnt out senior execs who've lost the plot and you know the business mm. is going going to to ratchet uh because you know they're not attending to their you know their their they be- the best of themselves you know that they're, they're not they're not looking after themselves if they don't take time out you've got to you've got to take time out and i i think we all should take something from that ink you and me and
0: yeah I, I i agree and i'm only playing devil's advocate because there could be a listener screaming at the i can't say the radio or the head the headset the, the headphones. No,
1: no, not for the first time i'm sure
0: yeah. <laughs> where actually um they don't have a big executive team you know if, yeah. so, so legitimately you know if i if and it's not a warning sign or maybe it is i don't know um if i was to tomorrow say i need to take a month off, I'm, yeah. I, I'm done, the business would fall over in that month, it, it wouldn't survive. So I can't, I don't have yes. that luxury. And there are many small business leaders who may listen to this podcast, or indeed people in such areas of responsibility, where at the point in their journey, there isn't enough empowerment to support them in their absence. And I know, I know. You, I know. We're, we're, me and JB have talked about this before. The best leader ultimately makes themselves redundant, and that's what I had done in my previous large organization, which I was in a leadership position of, because you built such a capability around you by design, so that actually it could transition. And I've, you know, I've left the business seven, eight months ago now, and it's nice to still see that not everything I built fell over. And actually, I did say to someone when I left that business you know the last thing i'd want to do is for it to fall over some people might think it's poetry that i built it and it and it fails when i go but that's a sign of failure, not success but in the same way um i think there is um a point in a bit leader's journey where they can't get off the roller coaster
1: well, you're in your example there uh, you know that is that is the sort of storming stage isn't it when you're Um, You know, you're working with uh, with resources, but not sufficient to leave. Hmm. Um, You you can't do that. Uh, Your norming stage, uh, as you've described, would be where you've got a team that could replace you.
0: Sorry, the phone was ringing i am on a desk it's a <laughs> weird thing called a phone rang um anyway it, it's a, i mean i know we've we've probably gone slightly off of original topic here um but, but i think the olympian leadership um reflections are quite an interesting food for thought i think um and um and hopefully it's it's given some of you listening to this um some also food for thought uh, whether that's around your mental health as a leader and the vulnerability you need to show um I think compassion and team and trust and competence and engagement are all important recipes that exist in Olympic teams so therefore how can we create an Olympic team and by the way I think my internet now seems to be stable I've not had any problems since have I
1: it's, it seems to be
0: oh you're so funny um, no, uh, it is.
1: It is. It is it, you haven't gone funny. You haven't pixelated for a while.
0: It, it would have. It would have amused me less had you have muted, but I could still hear your seagulls in the background. Oh yeah.
1: damn! Well, I'll use that next time.
0: Yeah. Uh, anyway, should we move on to listener questions, Mister Bradley? Shall we? Um, we have a cup. We a, We actually have three today, um, and they're all quite good ones. Um, so, um, John in Miami. Um, uh, so, first name only. Um, How do I get rid of a rotten egg in my team that I've just taken over when others really like them? Others in the team really like them.
1: You know, uh, because you were you primed me on this one yesterday and I woke up this morning. Is it John? Yeah, John from Miami. I woke up this morning at about four uh, and I started thinking about this. Isn't that weird?
0: Um, John John will be privileged maybe John was because John was obviously five hours behind you in Miami so maybe he was going to bed and he, he, he subliminally passed something to you
1: <laughs> so um, there's a there's a number of uh, things here in this question and I I was thinking definition of a bad apple what is a bad apple is a is a bad apple something to do with someone's performance Uh, Is it something to do with their behaviour? And so I started having to make some sort of an assumption that it was to do with their behaviour. Same. Um, And so I went down that route, and then I thought about the relationship that this person has with the rest of the team. Clearly, they want to be liked. And then I thought... Do these other people in the team um, trust this person? Do they respect this person? Because if this person actually holds their position in the team by being liked by the other members of the team, that is quite dangerous, isn't Mm. it? Um, Because if their efforts are merely to be liked by everyone, I feel that that is is an unsustainable and dangerous uh, situation in the team uh, I'll, I'll i'll carry on but i just want to get your your thinking so far and on this
0: i was in a very similar position to you when i read not, this, at, thinking, not
1: at four o'clock this morning I'm, no, I'm no, no
0: no 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 when i read the question yesterday my immediate reaction was is there rottenness around competence to do the job or is there rottenness in terms of how their behavior is poor but if they're loved by others in the team my my presumption, and again, this is the problem. These questions, we don't know half the context and we'll probably sit and we we'll would do a big reality check with the person that's asked the question. But anyway, my assumption was that, yes, you're right, they are similarly a performer and they're like within the team, but the rottenness may be that the reputation of that individual in the wider business in, is in a poor state. Because why... It, I presume you've inherited this team, and they're a rotten apple, um, or it, or is it performance? Anyway, I'm gonna, so my my two angles are: if they are liked in the team, but they're disruptive, or their behaviour is poor elsewhere, but they are a target achiever, I would challenge them on that, and because ultimately, if they're causing problems elsewhere in the organisation, that needs to be addressed. If, however, as it may also be, and as I think this question, more times I read it, it is around their competence. And basically they've made a campaign to make them loved by everybody, but they're useless. Then how long do those people in the team think it's reasonable for them to carry that individual before they then start to resent that individual? They might be loved, but what do they bring to the table here? And if their workload, if everyone else in the team's workload is increasing, in order to compensate for the incompetence of your rotten apple or your, your rotten egg, sorry, is the question I think, isn't it? Um, Was it a rotten egg? Was rotten egg? Yeah. Oh, that changes everything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, because yeah, <laughs> the rotten egg still is within a shell, so it's still protected. And
1: can you just clarify? Clarify just one second. Is it's a rotten egg that's loved or liked?
0: Oh. Uh, um. um How do I get rid of a rotten egg in my team I've just taken over when others in the team really like them? So it is like, but really in front of you. Really like them. Mm.
1: So I, again, I'm going to come back to trust. And uh, without being boring, you know, a high trust team is a high performance team. If the rest of the team uh, has high levels of trust, um, but this person has high level of like, do those other people in the team actually trust this individual, or is this individual fun to be around, but not someone you would actually trust? So uh, th- this is where I'm. I- I'm going to have to make a few assumptions here. But if trust, if the trust question uh, isn't satisfactorily answered, i.e., this person cannot be trusted, and I think a bad egg. My hunch is that you wouldn't trust a bad egg. I wouldn't trust a bad egg in my mouth. Um, I'm not gonna go near a bad egg. So I'm not gonna I'm gonna go with that. I'm gonna say this person is not to be trusted. and they're being liked by the rest of the team might be part of their camouflage. in which case, this person is a devious so and so, Um, that you can't trust. So I'd be raising issues around what specifically uh, you have
0: issues with around trust, I think. Yeah, and my only other add to JB's points there are if you've newly inherited the team, how honest a picture are you getting of the other people in the team that really like that individual? Um, In their explanation to you, because with respect, if I had a new boss, I think I'd be very delicate in terms of how I shit on others in my team. And I think the newbie is the boss, as in you, person, John. And therefore, as an outsider, there is going to be a degree of, I guess, shoulder to shoulderness with the colleagues. Um, and if you as you build an understanding of that team, I would certainly do a skill will matrix potentially or something, because I think that is helpful to the to the occasion. And if you're doing skill matrix, make sure competence is examined, examined if it's a, if it's a challenge around really like the rotten egg is the egg is the competence rather than the engagement. Um, and then and then get a reality check from the team um, and then also position them on there yourself with them.
1: I like that. I I think the skill wheel matrix and get everybody involved in it, even though uh, that might be a little bit complicated. Is my internet all right? Yeah, yeah. I I don't trust my internet. (laughs) Um, But uh, within that skill wheel matrix, I would definitely have some trust questions uh, about, you, you know, having having good trust in the team uh, is really important around, uh, consistency, around caring, um, you know, around honesty, um, and courage and stuff like that. So get every, if you've got everyone involved in setting the benchmark of the way we, we show up and how we, how we are actually going to behave as high performers, uh, I agree with Ant, but in there, I would want to just really check out that trust thing um, and see where we are as a team. There are things available actually on uh, on the internet. That you can find you know trust indicators in Teams, um, and just just have a look at those and see in your own mind before you go into anything like this. Rate rate this person and other members of the team because I think you might find some interesting. Uh, information for you to have those conversations?
0: There you go. It's a tricky question, John. It's a
1: tricky one, but I, I really enjoyed that romp around. And sorry if we had to make a few assumptions.
0: Well, yeah, John. Please try harder next time with context. Thanks so much. Um, Michelle Lincolnshire, I'm presuming that's UK. Um, I have been on some of your webinars and really enjoy them, but you never had time to answer my question. At the end, I think you ran out of time. So here it is again in speech marks. When is it right to recognize someone that's moved from low will high skill to high will high skill? So I got that wrong yesterday when I was reading it to you. So someone that's competent that's not engaged to becoming more engaged and high will. So they're moving from top left to top right, which is high will high, sorry, low will, high skill to high will, high skill. I know the answer probably is regularly, but what signs of progress should I look out for to acknowledge with them? Uh-huh. Oh, you keep blinking. It's not good.
1: Okay. Um- so I think this uh, is—it's all about the feedback, isn't it? It's all about regular, the frequency, quality, and impact of the feedback that you give. That's that's the question. And what is that about? Uh, it's about setting optimal challenges uh, for this individual—not too much, not too little. Uh, because if it's too little, they get bored. If it's too much. Uh, you could really screw up the motivation that you're actually aiming to uh, build up with this person. So, you know, I think it's worth your while just sitting down and thinking um, to start with, in your mind, uh, what would be a set of optimal challenges uh, for this individual to give them confidence uh, in their competence? And then once you've got those, like, you know, there might be five to 10 things have a conversation with this person and map out uh, when these are going to be set and when they're going to be achieved uh, over a period of time. So it's step-by-step, they can do it. It is achievable, but the challenge is optimal, not too much and not too little. That's what I would do and I'd be incredibly transparent with them. I'd also talk about the benefits of doing that in that they will grow in confidence. They will have your support uh, for what they do, Um, but the consequence of not doing these things, I'd ask them, what do you think the consequences should be of you not doing these things? Because this is gonna put you on track uh, towards uh, developing your skills where they need to be um, and to build the reputation within the team Um, and within this organization that would be better for you than where you are now. Reputation is a fabulous place to go uh, to get people um, to really uh, be motivated. People want to be really good at what they do. Generally speaking, people want to be really good at what they do. Uh, You need to support that uh, to identify, talk it through, and then add to it with these optimal challenges Um, And really get them also thinking about what those optimal challenges should be for them. Uh, That's how I think I would approach it. Anything to add to that, And
0: So I'm going to make an assumption that they've already had those conversations already. Because the way I read the question was, when is it right to recognize someone that's moved from low will, high skill to high will, high skill? Um, So I'm going to make the assumption that that conversation was had in the past and maybe you are starting to see evidence of this occurring. Um, So I suppose what I would do is if you used this, so for those of you that haven't joined our webinars on how to create a high-performing team, that's where you need to go to find out more about the Skill wall matrix. But in any case, um, in context, when you recognize that someone's competence, but plus their behaviors are improving, um, and there is evidence to show that, I would actually just give them simple pats on the back virtually, even via an email. You know, I was on that call the other week, I thought how you, you know, how you came across was really incredibly constructive, excellent. Well, well, you know, little things like that, without publicly, you know, without being lacking, without lacking authenticity, I think that's the way to go. Um, Equally, if you are having check-ins with this individual and you have used the skill Matrix with them previously, whack it back out in front of them again. How are we getting on with this? May I give you some feedback? Do you know what? I, I think there's progress. You know, your competence has always been there, but actually I'm really seeing now this change of attitude that I think is rubbing off on people. How's it making you feel, knowing that that's the case? How's your reputation changing? How is that changing the behaviour of others around you? And I think if if you if you kinda of do it that way, it's a bit more subtle. Um I, I would probably not necessarily go and give them a big hug and say, Oh my god, amazing, you're engaged now because <laughs> it might be a bit dodgy, but anyway, that would be my addition. Well-
1: so, uh, if we if if we combine both of those elements um, of uh, you know in 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 making a habit stick, one of the most important things that needs to happen uh, to make the habit stick is to celebrate the habit immediately. Mm. Absolutely, the moment it's done, the moment we the closer we get to celebrating uh, that habit change or behavior change, the better. If, if we know that we have built a number of different habits and behaviors and things that, that they have agreed to change, and this is goes back to that five to 10 things, it doesn't matter whether you're in the low skill, low will area or the high skill, high will area, identifying those changes, some of them might be tiny little tweaks. It might be going into a meeting and the first thing that this person says Um, Before anyone says anything, the moment they sit down, being the prompt, um, might be that they say, I'm interested in what people think today, um, before we go anywhere since our last meeting, that might be a habit that they're trying to form, just that simple crazy thing i'm not saying that's right or wrong it just might be the manager and this person might think that would be really really good because it's going to change the way you come across in meetings for Mm. example um in a high skill high will area you know what what would this person's top five habit changes be and have the conversation about i want to um value though the work that you do i want to support uh, you making those changes that we've agreed and I, I want to agree a way that I can celebrate that with you because as we know Ant some people do not want to be celebrated publicly yes. they want it to be done privately and both you and I have um, had the experience of getting that wrong uh, earlier on in our careers and being on the receiving end of praise thinking oh my god will you stop now because you don't know me you don't focus me and you don't value me and this is very inauthentic will you stop now um so uh i uh, hopefully that all of that smorgasbord of things um is helpful to you
0: time for one more question and this one actually came from the caribbean yesterday but it was anonymous Um we oh, yes. were in a, in a in a um a, a live event and we said could we take this we weren't there by the way we were this is this no. is virtual we keep we, we keep trying to nudge for these face, Come to face on, but, but hey get us there yeah anyone in the audience by the way wants to invite us to their office um feel free to uh put your zip code into the chat box and we'll we'll fly over immediately anyways this this question was how do you motivate a team when technology is what's holding the team's competence and performance back
1: Well, I think we agreed, Ant, that this is really the question um, that's got your name on it
0: and the reason he says that is because of course jb himself is a technophobe so ironically i would say actually he's better placed to answer it and oh. I'll, uh, but I'll, I'll i'll go first anyway give it a whirl but, but the reason i say that jb's better place to answer it is because he has been able to engage people in the absence of technology because actually technology is an interference for jb to help his people reach their potential so therefore i think technology is only a problem for your people if you kind of make it so and i think So my answer is to this question, I think we have to be careful about um, giving. So I'm going to say this crudely, and I hope it comes across um, reasonable. We have to be careful in giving too much oxygen to complaints from people around things that we don't necessarily agree with ourselves. In other words, if we genuinely believe there is a technology problem that's holding our team's performance back, then there is a business case for you to take that forward. However, in the meantime, if you're taking that forward with your employer, I think it's critical that what we do is we say we're working on it mm. and we have to carry on as we are because that's what we're good at, right? And what can we, what can we control and what can't we control? Because if we are seemingly getting frustrated like they are and almost using it, you, the problem is you're setting yourself up for a fall as a leader because you're effectively giving license for people to say they can't do their job and therefore when underperformance creeps in, they can go, Well, I told you this was going to happen. So I think we need to be careful that we address this and keep it that well and again come back to this other point that eventually you're going to move on from your current employer you know let's be honest average people last between five and well three to seven years is the average length of service for most employees now eighty uh, percent of employees have that in there as a statistic so if we know that 80 percent of employees are going to leave between three and seven years of service give it five years you're not going to be in that business anymore you're going to be somewhere else and if at any point some of your current direct reports you have aspirations to work with them again how you deal with these sorts of situations will define whether they want to work with you again or not because I know that part of my success today is based on the relationships I've built up with people I've worked with previously. And I can tell you, I think from personal experience that when the shit's hitting the fan or the technology's not working, we persevered as one. We recognized it was a problem, but how are we gonna, we need to come up with a solution here of what we're gonna do in the meantime, rather than pretty much waving a white flag as one. Because not only does that say to your employer, yeah, I give up too, Um, If there are other teams that are counterparts to your team that are surviving beyond the technology, then in reality, you're kind of, I think, causing yourself more harm than good. So I think if technology is the barrier to successful performance for your team, um, as a leader, let's have a conversation with those people about how we can either in the interim solve this issue in the short term whilst I try and address the bigger issues. So try and build yourself a lifeboat to the island of perfect technological, technological perfection. Um, and if there is legitimately technology issues, then definitely raise that with your employer and come on our managing upwards webinar, by the way, which is available on seagull.com. Um, and, um, and doing what's right for the business and people is another good module to think about do for that one. But I, I think we have to be careful on our, reality versus what we perceive to be reality so just make sure you open the bonnet because i have to fallen into the trap in my radio leadership days of being whinged at by my direct reports and i end up becoming almost like a union representative for my people which distracts me away from driving their performance because i'm too busy defending them because they have a right to protest and in the meantime i've accidentally meant they've all underperformed and i'm on, i have to kind of be on their side because i've told them that i agree with their viewpoint so i think there's the, and, and I talk from painful experience here where I ended up having to pay out a really big bonus because I watched someone fake cry basically in front of me that they were their targets had been changed by the predecessor and they needed the targets re- reducing. And guess what? I then reduced their targets. Then they over-delivered to the higher target they had to do and then I had to pay them overage commission.
1: Nice manoeuvre.
0: Yeah. Um, and got properly stitched up um, by that individual who I would never employ again, I should add. But... My, my, my Coming back to the original point, I think we just have to be careful that um, whilst if there is an issue, we have to work out what we need to do in the interim and buy yourself six months. That's my, my challenge to you is get your team to accept the reality for six months whilst you then say, I'm going to take this further. But for the next six months, no excuses. We have to make do. Um, and I'll support you. That would be my, my take. JB, anything to add in the limited time we have got left?
1: Well, I mean, technology, technology, technology. You know, what is it? Is it, um, you know, customer database stuff? Um, is it the, the internet goes down? Is it you can't, your phones don't work? I mean, I, I there are so many different technology issues, aren't there? Maybe someone's trying to put a database together. I don't know. I, I don't know what it is, um, but here's here's a thought, a couple of thoughts actually. Um, is you know what you've got now? Is there a way that and I this picking up on Ant's point about you know three six months whatever it is is it good enough? Is it good? You know how how could we accept this as good enough for now, but with a with a view to getting it into a different place? In six months' time, you Mm -hmm. know, what what is good enough? Because sometimes, you know, we we do have such high expectations of technology to get us out of things and to get us into other things. Um, And, but it is important to keep that pressure on technology because, in many cases, it is our competitive advantage. And, you know, I'm talking, I'm looking at a man now where that is very much the case, I think. Um, because of the grip and the team that he's got around him um, building some fantastic technology Um, the other thing that I'm going to throw in here and it's a little controversial I know we're up against time and but it's banning the word they uh, in your team Um, and you know if in teams where there is someone in another team in another place like and it's so often the technology people that get this um a lot they didn't deliver this they weren't able to provide uh this thing on time we are one team we are one team and i would let the technology people know that they are no longer referred to as they they are now part of the team. So embrace this IT, embrace this technology people. Um, the word they is banned. You are no longer known as they. You are part of the team. So I, I just a thought, I don't know whether that helps at all, but, but it might be interesting for you to even just have the conversation about banning the word they.
0: I like that. I think that's a nice way to end. And ironically, of course, technology has been the barrier to our success today, you could say, but we've persevered and stuck with it because I've had some internet issues the first half of this today. Oh yeah. And I'm now gonna my so solution is I'm not gonna do anything from the office anymore. <laughs> um but in any case, um, you know, I think that's that's a really good good way to conclude the episode. Um we have, I guess what, sixty seconds left, JB. Um so thirty seconds. What are you what are you up to for the next seven days?
1: Oh, well, I've fallen a little bit behind on my uh, building my course, and uh, I, I, I keep getting set homework um, by this wonderful, wonderful person, Lucy Griffiths, uh, who's helping me build my course, which will be launched next year. Um, and so the next few days, uh, I'm doing an awful lot of work on that. I'm also doing a little bit of work for Ant uh, in Uh, putting a few webinars together and other than that I'm going to be walking the dog Um, and I'm going to be dealing with a few other 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 client matters and things and sending out a few invoices I think Nice. Um, My
0: my side, more Olympic observations. Um, I have my father uh, over this weekend. So So we'll be entertaining with the kids. Nice. Work-wise, well, you know, I'm keeping crazy hours at the minute. So um, I'm on countdown to my week off. And the out of office will not say in an emergency contact. It will be see you later. Uh, and if there is an emergency, then please dial nine one one nine 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 or your one one two. Your emergency service number of choice.
1: Fantastic.
0: Anyway, on that note, um, oh, sorry, were you we going to say something?
1: No, it's yeah. just moving my mouth around.
0: Yeah, All right. Um, well, maybe it was the internet lagging. I just kind of <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, this is this has not been our usual amusing one, but I think it's been a meaty one of information, which hopefully the. What do as you mean? Ever...
1: I found it thoroughly amusing.
0: Well, yes, you were laughing at my internet connection, which put me on edge. Um, anyway, if you do have questions for us in future, please email them to globalleadershippodcasts at gmail.com or glp at seedl.com. And if you want to be in the live audience and you're listening to the recording, um, you can join this via seedle. Um, you can have it as part of our light membership, which doesn't cost you any money. Um, or of course, if you access this through your employer, um, please encourage them to make sure this is included because it doesn't cost them anything to include this in their package. Uh, I've been Anthony Price.
1: And I've been JB doing my best to be an Olympian when everything else was falling around me and I haven't been naked during the building of this program. Goodbye.